Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to the Liberty Relearn podcast Halloween special. Today, we're going to talk about some of the things that scare us as conservatives and some of the things that scare the liberals and those on the left. And plus, I will be having a special guest once again, back from the country of Denmark. Um, We have tonight a well-known Scandinavian public figure, uh, alas, poor York. And so, like I said, this is a Halloween special, so we're going to be talking about some scary stuff, and there is indeed some scary, scary stuff going on in the world today. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the things that uh, scare conservatives and libertarians, and also some of the stuff that will scare people on the left. And so let's start with that. Some of the things that will scare people on the left. And um, so this will be the top five things that scare people on the left, uh, particularly in America. Uh, Number five, SCOTUS that actually upholds the Constitution as something they really don't want to see and they very much fear. The Supreme Court actually doing the job it was designed to. Number four, having to face their own anti-Semitism. And this one has come up in recent uh, weeks uh, with regards to what happened in Israel in particular. Um, And it's funny, you hear all of these people on the left talking about Nazi this and fascist that. And then when you see people actually acting like Nazis, um, in the in the actual real traditional sense, um, they get they get a little confused on which side they should be on, um, because their their mentality, you know, they have the idea that Palestinians are the oppressed group, and they have to always work within this oppressor oppressed dynamic. And so when it comes to seeing what they actually do. Um, when given a chance, uh, the people on the left get a little bit confused. And now they're having to deal a little bit uh, maybe with some latent anti-Semitism. I know lately uh, there's been de- pro-Palestinian demonstrations on uh, college campuses. And now you have some huge benefactors like billionaires Uh, threatening and actually pulling out funding for the campuses. Um, This is probably something a lot of people should have done a long time ago, but I guess um, the events of October 7th, uh, 2023 were just a bridge too far. And so now you have uh, a little bit of cognitive dissonance. You know, uh, you go... Um, do you favor the Palestinians because that's what your uh, binary tells you to do? 
or do you um, side with the Jews because previous, you know, in World War II, they were obviously the uh, victims. They were the oppressed. And so, you know, which, which side do you go to? Um, I, would, I would suggest you side with the side that doesn't commit atrocities on a regular basis, that doesn't take hostages and contravention to the laws of land warfare and that doesn't murder entire families and doesn't people, um, again, uh, kill uh, innocent men, women, and children, including uh, little babies. Um, may I suggest humbly that you recalibrate your uh, inner uh, moral compass so that it points away from the people doing atrocities for, I don't care if it's some reason that you sympathize with, um, the fact that they're doing atrocities maybe is a sign that these are not the people that you should be backing. Um, so that is the um, uh, number four in our countdown of the four or the five things that left this fear the most. All right, uh, number three would be any Republican in the White House. So, of course, we know what they've done to keep Trump out, and we'll talk a little bit that later. Um, but I don't think they particularly want um, anybody like a uh, Nikki Haley or a Ron DeSantis in the White House either. Anybody with a firm commitment to uh, conservative values who's not going to go along with them. And so someone especially uh, like Ron DeSantis or maybe Vivek Ramaswamy um, also, you know, these are not the people, you know, they want people like Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson and they're people that they can control. Well, first of all, they want them to win nomination because they they're sure they, they would lose you know kind of like Romney did and McCain did before them they want that type of person to run and be the nominee for the Republicans but I don't think they're going to get their wish this time around and so any Republican in the White House scares them because that kind of puts a damper on a lot of their plans so it brings us to number two on our list of things that the left are afraid of, that scares the left, um, would be, of course, another Trump presidency, because they already know what he can do, and hopefully he's been a little bit, you know, he's a little bit wiser from having been there for four years and have uh, some of uh, his so-called friends just turn around and stab him in the back, hopefully uh, if he wins a uh, second term as president, he'll erase and fix some of those mistakes, particularly in the realm of personnel choices. And I think a President Trump that can do that in particular is almost um, frightening beyond belief to the Democrats and to the left and to a lot of the left in this uh, world. 
not just the United States. Because yeah, you can see how hard uh, they're fighting against uh, against Trump in particular. They're doing a lot of uh, specious charges against them, a lot of just a lot of kangaroo court sort of things. They're pulling out all the stops. They don't even want him to be on the ballot, much less. They don't absolutely, in no circumstance, want Trump to win. Um, because they know that's going to be the end, uh, at least for a while, to the deep state's gravy train, and things are going to, there's going to be a new, new sheriff in town. Um, they like Biden. They don't want to lose Biden. They're very afraid of losing well, they're afraid of keeping Biden too, but that's another thing, um, ironically. But they're they're very afraid of losing that power, and I think most people would agree on the left that Biden is simply a puppet. He's just uh, someone, and someone above him, uh, most likely Obama, is really working the strings and calling the shots. And, you know, they give him a lane, and as long as he stays within that lane, um, they're fine with him. They really, they, they just need a meat puppet in the White House. They just want that vote to say yes or, or no. And so that's what they want, and they're, they're very afraid of losing that. And they think that they're most likely to lose it uh, if Trump is the president, despite what you may have heard them say. So that is number two, um, another Trump presidency, which leads us directly to number one, which of course is going probably always and for all time be the number one fear of all leftists, all collectivists, any of, but anybody of that ilk, and that is losing power. That is something that they're definitely afraid of. Um, for one thing, you have the true believers who actually believe that they can create some sort of utopia if they can just change the nature of man enough. They can uh, improve man's uh, deepest inner nature and form man uh, into, into creating a society of their liking. And they think they're going to have their uh, leftist um, utopia with equity and diversity and everything like that. Um, of course, every, every time it's been tried, it's failed. Uh, it's been tried in the guise of socialism and communism and, yes, even fascism, all the different types of collectivisms. Um, they've all failed when they've been tried at the national level. And they're extremely afraid of losing power. Everything they do, is to for them to gain more power and, and for them to gain total power. They are a uh, aspire. They aspire to be a totalitarian regime, um, despite anything you may have heard from the contrary. Um, so I mean, if you don't believe me, you know, just you know, look what, look at what's happening when they try to pack the courts. They want us to pack the Supreme Court so they never get judgment against them and, and basically they want the living constitution that can mean anything that they they want or need it to mean at the time and they don't want any interference they want to have an incredibly huge 
and powerful central government. Um, they want a powerful executive branch and to rule through the three-letter agencies in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, especially the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, and things like that. They want to rule without having too much influence um, by the people, um, which is kind of, kind of ironic with all their talk about uh, Democrat and democracy. Um, what they really mean is they want their person to be sanctioned to make decisions for everybody else. And so that's what they want. And so they're, and they're uh, pursuing that power through a number of ways. Of course, the presidency of the United States obviously being the chief way, particularly right now. And for another year, they're going to be pursuing that way. Um, but also, um, don't forget, this is a hundred year long project that they're almost at the culmination of. They're almost uh, finished in their minds with um, basically instituting the kind of world order that they need to take uh, total control over people's lives, particularly in the West. And so they, everything they do is to gain power. They change the election laws. Um, they change the election laws in the state of Pennsylvania and counter-convention to the United States Constitution, um, so that it was you know they can have their boxes, their election, their ballot boxes, where in very uh, large uh, Democrat-leaning strongholds, and also makes it easier if you're going to do stuff like the kind of uh, shenanigans you see in 2,000 Mules. Um, it makes it easier to do that. And the more uh, hands that that ballot has to go through, more times that ballot changes hands, each one of those times is a chance to cheat or do something, you know, unfair. And so, but they want to change the laws to make those things easier. Um, and maybe we'll talk about a little bit uh, about that uh, some more. But basically, you—that is the—that um, is what um, drives fear into the hearts of the left. Is those five things in particular? I mean, there's others, but those five things: uh, a Supreme Court of the United States that actually upholds the Constitution, um, having to face their own latent anti-Semitism, uh, having a Republican of any sort in the White House, particularly any of the ones likely to win a nomination this time around, uh, another Trump presidency, they're very definitely afraid of that in particular, um, but mainly all of that comes down to their number one thing that they're afraid of is losing power. And so that is the top five things that scare the left, particularly in America. All right, so let's move on to the top five things that conservatives and right-leaning people fear. 
um, particularly American patriots, but also conservatives, I would imagine, around the world also fear these five things. And here are the top five things. Um, number five is a police state, the government using law enforcement to pursue political goals. Now, D Dinesh D'Souza just did a great movie, which I highly suggest you watch. It's called Police State. Um, I'm going to be doing a full review of that. Um, but suffice to say that it describes in great detail um, the way that the Biden regime has been forming a police state in the United States. And also, um, even prior to Biden becoming president, um, basically traces back the uh, genesis of the police state back to, you know, September 11th, 2001, you know, those events leading to the Patriot Act. That's basically, uh, at least the, where the movie concludes, that was the actual genesis of the police state that we are now moving in. We are now, I would say, we're in the uh, nascent phases of a police state. It's not fully developed yet. We're not um, North Korea just yet, or even China just yet, but we are moving in that direction steadily. And so that's one of the things that I think freedom-loving people, people all over the world would fear, particularly Americans, is a police state. And of course you have that also in Europe too, the different degrees. You have that in Britain, where you have um, some ridiculous um, hate speech laws where people can uh, be sent to jail and ticketed for hate speech. And they have what's called like, I think it's like a non-crime crime, crime or, or something like that. And they have all these laws that limit uh, free speech and freedom of expression. And of course, they're always um, aimed one way, you know, the, usually as, as per usual, um, and as per in the United States, those laws only face towards the right. They only concentrate on the right because the purpose of the police state is for the left to have power. And so that's that. And all right. So number four on the list is out of control government spending, increased spending, causing more inflation, even hyperinflation. And this is a very real fear. It is a justified fear because we are actually living in it. That's not a theory anymore. It's not a conspiracy theory or even a theory theory. It is actuality that our government spending has gone a long ways towards causing the inflation that we're uh, experiencing now. Um, a lot of it had to do with, you know, the shutdowns of COVID and the disruptions of that. And then uh, Biden reducing our capacity to develop fossil fuels and to market fossil fuels. Um, that's causing the uh, increase of um, uh, the cost of getting things to market and therefore the price of things. So it's doing it that way, but also... In a more direct way, they're, uh, he, they're spending, their reckless spending of trillions upon trillions of dollars, um, particularly over the last five years, starting particularly with COVID, 
Um, and fortunately, uh, Trump is responsible for some of that. But it's they've doubled down, of course, with the um, spending, overspending in the Biden administration with barely no restraints on their spending. Even with a, a um, Republican Congress, they've have they haven't so far managed to restrain spending, and of course that has a direct effect because that caused you know that's all uh, deficit spending. Okay, every cent of it is um, is is money that's in the red. Okay, every cent of it that we spend is money that's in the red, and so. That's causing inflation, because uh, if you can't sell bonds and you know defer that debt to some other later date, then you have to print money, and it's the printing money done by the Federal Reserves that causes a lot of the inflation, because of course the money you print, the the less each individual dollar is worth, and so you know there's your uh, it's very easy to understand. Um, some people will try and obfuscate and make it seem too complicated. And they say, well, there's a number of factors, like in the WEF, World Economic Forum, not too long ago, I think last year, they're talking about the causes of inflation. Um, they, they actually had the temerity to admit that maybe overspending had by governments had some small part in Inflation, but you know, is every other thing that they can think of. You know, the, the prices of you know people want too much. That's what they the, the consumers want too much, and that's why the prices are going up because of consumer demand. Um, so you know, they then they forget, of course, about why. Uh, you know, the, the consumer demand hasn't gone up. It's just the supply has gone down. That's the reality. And that is a continued reality if uh, people like Klaus Schwab and the WEF have their way. Not to mention the Democrats in Congress or in, in government. And so that is number four, out of control government spending. Uh, number three, which, I mean, could be number one depending on how you look at it. I think long-term, this might be a number one. Um, but right now, I'd say number three is a central bank digital currency, or CBDC. Uh, that would give the central government nearly total control over how its citizens live. Because as we've seen uh, for instance, what happened in Canada with the truckers, uh, people who gave financial support weren't even the truckers, but people who uh, supported the truckers in their protests when they're blocking the streets of Ottawa and the bridges and stuff like that in Canada, they had their bank accounts frozen and they were not, you know, they couldn't use their uh, debit card to buy groceries or anything. So that's obviously a punitive measure a control measure on the populace, where if they do something we don't like, particularly in the political realm, uh, we're going to smack you down, and we're going to deny you to the right to buy goods and services. And so, obviously, you know, um, you know, of course, the Democrats and the people in favor of this, they're going to say, well, it's going to make banking easier, and 
more reliable and it's going to be, uh, you're going to get what you paid for and it's going to be so much quicker and they have every reason on this on why you should do it. But there's only one reason why you shouldn't do it and that is the main reason is because anything that's digital can be controlled. You can control the flow of dollars if you have eyes on where each dollar goes, you know what people are, are spending. And, you know, they might say, um, well, Jim over in Idaho, he seems he's spending a little bit too much on ammunition nowadays. We're going to go pay him a visit. We're going to see what he's up to. And if we're not convinced that he's on up and up, we're just going to cancel his ability uh, first, we're going to cancel his ability to buy ammunition and maybe his ability to buy anything else, use any kind of money for anything. And so that's the sort of thing they want to do. And they're going to say, oh, uh, this person they gave to Trump, well, we, we need to give this person special attention. Uh, let's send this uh, person's name to the IRS for special attention. And... So anybody who thinks that the government, particularly the Democrats in power, um, but, you know, Lord Acton said, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. There's no way, given human nature, it's 100 percent that this will be abused. If there is a uh, CBDC or centralized bank digital currency instituted, that will be abused by whatever country, nation that institutes. It's guaranteed. It's not even a question of if it's going to be when. And when is probably going to be about two minutes after that uh, uh, system is started. So there you go. That is one thing that uh, we conservatives and hopefully anybody with common sense is going to be very afraid of. Uh, next, the number two thing that in my opinion, uh, that conservatives are afraid of, are is institutionalized election fraud. Democrats would like Americans to forget all about the ballot trafficking a la 2,000 mules and the institutionalization of less secure balloting and voting measures. Um, you know, the sucker box and the ballot boxes and and, oh, no, isn't it funny how there's no working camera on this ballot box? And where did all those ballots come from? And I guess you have no way of proof. You say that people are stopping ballots. And, well, you know, the, the camera just wasn't working that day. It wasn't working at all. So I'm afraid you can't prove your allegations that Emil came by here and stuffed ballots. Because, you know, and things like that. Um and as I mentioned before, every time, you know, when you increase the number of times a ballot changes hands, that's a chance for something to go awry or something crooked to happen or some sort of interference. And, and it's funny, like, because the Democrats should be afraid and they claim to be afraid, but they should be afraid just much. They want, they should want uh, secure balloting, too. Right. If they're not doing anything wrong, they should have no fear of secure, more secure voting and ballot measures and things like voter ID. 
but how come they're not? How come they're for uh, less secure measures unless they're intending to cheat or just are perfectly happy because they know that the people are going to cheat are probably on their side. So they're not really worried about things like ballot harvesting and stuff like that because they know it's their side that has infrastructure already in place to do that. And so that is a big deal. Um, Americans need to have faith in their elections. You know, and it's to the point now where really, you know, there's, you know, you cannot have any Republican sitting at home um, this time next year when the election day comes or election month as it happens comes. Um, if you want to remain a free country for much longer, and this is not hyperbole, I think this is, I say this in absolute seriousness. If you want to have a free country, anything like the country that our forefathers left for us and intended us to have, that free uh, constitutional republic, if you want to have that for much longer, and you know, you're not in with the other team, then you have to show up um, on election day. Um, obviously, election day is coming up this year, not too long, but in 2024, um, again, it's not overstating it to say whether or not we remain a constitutional democracy the way our founding fathers had attended for much longer um, is going to be probably determined in 2024 by how you vote. I mean, you know, don't, don't wake up one day in 2025 and... The IRS is knocking at your door and they want to uh, ask you about your pro-life position and who you gave money to in the past election and uh, where you got that money from. And wouldn't it be a shame if um, your banker or your constituents or your shareholders or anybody found out about who you were giving money to politically and so unless you're uh, okay with that um, unless you're just completely naive and think that a government with a power like having centralized bank digital currency is not going to abuse that power and because we know that you know talking about the uh, police state and the surveillance state two interrelated things um, we know they've abused that power we know that we gave them power after September 11th, and they abused it. That's, that's not conspiracy theory. That's 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 fact. Conspiracy fact. Um, if you don't want to wake up one day and that's that's the way it is um, forever, um, then you need to get to the ballot box. You know, you need to get to the polling station and you know vote for people who are not trying to steal all your freedoms and do all these things i'm talking about all right so the number one thing that the left particularly in america are afraid of is of course or i'm sorry um for the number one thing that the right in america are afraid of that's would be probably you and me 
um, is for more years or of Biden or any Democrat, really, in the White House. American conservatives fear the America that has existed for nearly 250 years. The republic our forefathers intended for us will be gone, as I was talking about before, uh, with the ballot harvesting and, and the cheating and that stuff. Um, four, more, four more years of, of Biden will, well, you know, I don't know how we recover from that. I mean, even if we maintain the House and gain seats in the Senate, maybe even take over the Senate, if you have a Democrat in the White House, where you're not going to get very much done, at best you're going to limit the damage that they can do, and you can forestall the destruction, um, but you can't really do too much to reverse it, to make things better. And so four years of Biden, again, it's not overselling it to say, would be disastrous. And the people, you know, first of all, most Americans don't approve of his job. You know, his job approval ratings are very low in the 30s and 40s. You know, he's happy if his job approval that day is in the in the 40s. Okay. Um, so, and most Americans don't like the direction our country is going in at the moment. I think, you know, there was various polls, but it's really large numbers. Um, I forget what they were, so I don't, don't want to say. But suffice to say, the, the majority of Americans um, don't like the direction that Americans, America is going in now. You know, we're going in the direction of higher costs, more inflation, more controls of what we can do, less you know, more energy dependence, and, of course, now we have more wars to deal with, and things like that, and less free speech, and uh, things like that, being, you know, have, having mandated uh, vaccinations and stuff like that, uh, and all that sort of things, and what the schools are doing uh, with regards to kids and indoctrination and things like that. Um yeah, four more years of that. Because remember, he has, even if we take complete control of Congress with both Senate and the House, um, he has control, or pretty much total control, over all the agencies. And he can make these orders, and, you know, at very best, it takes several months if he makes an executive order saying forgiving all student loans like he tried to do you know it still takes several months for the supreme court to reverse that and then they keep trying again they keep trying to do the same thing in a different way they, they change slightly the the wording basically of the rule uh, with hopes of, of that they can get one they can sneak an executive order past the uh supreme court so, yeah, four more years of Biden, you know, that's uh, pretty much um, goodbye to America as we've known it. And as we would hope, it, would like it to be and hope it could be. Um, so, those are 
the things. Again, the five things that scare conservatives are a police state, the government using law enforcement to pursue political goals, uh, an out-of-control government spending, continuing uh, increased spending causing more inflation, even hyperinflation, uh, CBDC or control central bank digital currency, which would give the central government uh, nearly total control over every aspect of our lives. Uh, institutionalized election fraud means codifying the things that enable election fraud, um, you know, a la 2000 mules. Um, another, you know, ballot boxing and everything that helps that. And then four more years of Biden or any, really any Democrat, um, um, you know, in the White House would be pretty much disastrous. Um, and God forbid we should lose Congress any time during that four year period. Then, then yeah, we're, we're done. We're, we're toast as an American Republic, you know, anything that our fathers and grandfathers would recognize will be gone. And so that is, or are, the five things that scare conservatives. And so now, um, as promised, I have with me tonight a well-known Scandinavian public figure of some note has even been known to associate with Danish royalty. He is, of course, York of uh, Hamlet fame. And poor York is here. Um, just want to... Um, ask him a couple questions, you know, him being a Scandinavian um, person, member of the Scandinavian community on Earth. Um, I'm going to ask him, um, again, he has some exposure to public figures and leaders, uh, particularly in Danish uh, royalty. So I'm going to ask him, as an authority on Scandinavia, uh, is... Uh, York, by the way, thanks for being with us, uh, is uh, Scandinavia the socialist utopia that people like Bernie Sanders and people like that, like AOC, um, would have us believe? Is Scandinavia actually a uh, socialist utopia? Okay, so uh, for those who can't see, who are not watching the video, uh, York just uh, shook his head no. So, no, Scandinavia is not, in fact, a, um, a socialist utopia. It's not socialist quite at all. Um, so, would you... I'm going to show that the camera can see me. Um, okay. So, would you um, say, York, as an expert on all things Scandinavian, um, would you say that Scandinavia is less a socialist country, but more a having a free market economy, far from the centralized economy associated with 
uh, socialist countries. And uh, uh, Europe is nodding his head. Yes, yes, it, it is more like a, it is a um, free market economy and far from the kind of centralized planned economy that you would see in any kind of socialist scheme. So there you have it, uh, Yurk. Thanks for being here and thanks for clearing up some of our questions on Scandinavia and whether or not it is a socialist utopia. And uh, I would add on a personal note that um, I think Scandinavia is more of um, it is a capitalist country with a huge welfare state, which doesn't make it exactly uh, socialist and what a lot of people um, who are Bernie supporters in particular, but other Democrats as well, um, that, you know, first of all, Scandin the Scandinavian countries tend to have even greater um, when it comes to absolute economic freedom, they actually rank higher than the United States. I think, you know, that's a shame, but that is the way it is. So they're actually far from being unfree socialist countries with planned economies. They are free capitalist countries. They just happen to have a large welfare state, but they also have uh, large taxes. So the people are paying, you know, in those countries tend to pay an awful lot in taxes for those benefits, like the free uh, school, free uh, education and stuff like that, and gener generous um, welfare benefits and unemployment benefits. Because while they, while they are working, they are paying very high taxes, and that's the part that the Democrats will not tell you. So, but uh, thanks to me and our friend Paul York, um, we've cleared that up, cleared that one myth up on uh, Scandinavia. And so here I am once again uh, here joined with York, uh, our expert on all things Scandinavian. Um, maybe we'll talk some hockey later with him, but now um, let's talk about, speaking of things that scare conservatives, um, one of the things I mentioned was a police state, uh, again, a government using law enforcement to pursue political goals rather than fight crime uh, or make certain political people uh, criminals. Um, and of course, have what well, we would consider a two-tier justice system, just different systems of justice for Democrats and people on the left than for everybody else. And so, one of, and uh, so, with regards to the police state, you have Dinesh D'Souza, who is a well-known filmmaker, um, made lots of films about you know. Hillary's America and about Obama and things like that and some other stuff. 2000 Mules, another good one. Um, his newest film is called Police State. And so, and that talks about 
um, whether or not America is or is not becoming a police state. And what, is, what are sort of the things that create and make up a police state? And so he talks about that. He talks about the genesis of the police state in America um, being uh, after the events of uh, September 11th, 2001, with the passing of the Patriot Act. And, you know, we a lot of us thought it was a good thing, but of course it was abused. And uh, most famously, I think it was uh, abused um, to use, um, to basically spy on Trump and his supporters and his campaign. They use falsified documents and testimony, basically, um, to get a FISA warrant for to uh, monitor him and basically wiretap him. I know that's not a technical term. Okay, you know, fact checkers, you know, at ease there. Because um, you know what I mean. So don't be intellectually dishonest. And say, oh, it's not. He would all the wire, wire tapping or something. You know, we we know, you know, he's eavesdropping on people's conversations. You know what it is. So anyhow, um, they used an excuse to do that. They falsified elements of the FISA warrant that's required, and they were allowed. That allowed, um, you know to spy on people like Carter Page and work their way up the ladder. And so they talk about that in the movie Police State. Uh, they also talk about, of course, January 6th, about some people who weren't even in the Capitol that day, nonetheless got raided by the FBI. And so, and these were people who didn't do any damage to the Capitol. They were just there, some of them, you know, one person just happened to be drawn into the Capitol and go through it. Didn't, you know, wreck anything that we we can know of. Um, but nonetheless, um, he was arrested. And so the movie talks about his case, his tragic case, it turns out. And also um, the, the controls that people have, like social credit system and stuff like that. How uh, countries like China is already using the social credit system um, to control the actions and behavior of their citizens, um, people in America want to do the same thing here. That's part of having a police state. And of course, the other uh, thing that the police state has been used recently in this country is um, about pro-lifers. Pro-lifers uh, turned out had a very successful movement and lasted about 50 years, took them 50 years from the codification of Roe v. Wade, or the decision of Roe v. Wade, basically legalizing abortion in all 50 states, to nearly 50 years to the day later um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And Roe v. Wade and board the matter of abortion was turned over to the states where it belonged, belonged the entire time, should have been a matter for the states to decide that entire time. Well, anyway, prominent pro-life members um, have been uh, subjugated to arrests and harassment by the police state. And so there's a couple of cases of pro-lifers uh, who've been arrested and, and questioned and searched and stuff like that. Um, 
by the bind regime, DOJ under the bind regime. Um, and then, uh, of course, you, you have um, the, the people, um, you know, there are also various other groups kind of connected to that, what, like traditional Catholics, Catholics who go to mass um, in, 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 a, in Latin. Um, so those people were placed under suspicion and being, you know, suggested that they should be followed and, and scrutinized more than other Americans or more than any other Americans. And also, you have people who would speak up in their school board meetings and talk about, talk to the school board about how their children are being, they think their children are being manipulated and brainwashed and indoctrinated and, and things like that into like CRT, you know, the basically um, uh, social or or Marx, Marxism, cultural Marxism, and stuff like that, racism, and, and things like that. And so you have all of these concerned uh, parents going to showing up on school boards, and sometimes they're making themselves known very prominently and, and sometimes a little bit loudly, um, but they're using exercising their First Amendment rights of freedom of expression and freedom of association. Um, but the DOJ under Biden decided that they don't like that and they want to crack it down because the left has an agenda that they're trying to pursue with their control of schools and what goes in, uh, what kind of curriculum is taught to kids in school today. And of course that extends to colleges too, as you can see. So... The uh, movie Police State goes into all of these, gives examples about how it's done. Um, police states in other parts of the world, like how it was done in, in China and uh, in Nazi Germany and in the Soviet Union. We'll talk a little bit about that. And the elements that comprise a, uh, a police state. And so... I recommend you see that movie. It's it's very good. It's not too long, um, but it's pretty pretty thorough. It covers um, like all of the areas that I mentioned, obviously in greater detail. I um, so the only problem I had with it was the price um, to watch it streaming online. Something was something like twenty four ninety nine. I think when I got it, now I didn't use any kind of code or you know uh, discount code or anything, anything like promotional code or anything like that. I just paid like the full price. I don't know. Probably this probably could be a personal promotional code out there. But anyway, I bought I paid full price and that was like almost twenty five dollars. That's a lot. Now it's not a lot, um, which is probably a good idea anyhow. But if you're streaming it. You know, you're in the privacy of your own home. You can show it to your friends and family, so it doesn't have to be you. And so, you know, if you get two people watching it, that's basically like the price of a ticket, regular movie ticket. And of course, if you get three people watching you watching it at the same time together, then that's even 
even better. So, so the you know the more people I think that watch it, the better. But that's really the only criticism I have. Um, again, it goes in. It talks to actual people who've been the victims of the police state. And who've had to deal with police state and the problems that cause and what it is, and experts about how other countries run police states, you know, like Venezuela and China and stuff like that, and how uh, police state might look in America and how it does look and might look in the future and with even more power. And so, I mean, that part's good. Um, really, I don't know. Uh, some of the recreations were, um, I don't want to say over the top, but some of the recreations, like, you know, they have the uh, FBI director, I guess, of, the, of that particular agency, um, that particular FBI group, uh, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of in your face with, you know, it, it's hard to explain, but, um, you know, it's a little bit cartoonish. It gets a little bit cartoonish, um, on their treatment. Um, but for all I know, that's what actually happened. So who knows? Maybe the people, um, who know better than me would, would say, no, that's actually pretty realistic about how that, uh, FBI, notional FBI office in the movie was run. That's how it would actually look. And that's how it how the people actually talk. Um, so I don't know if that, that is um, just a minor criticism. It's one of those things that like, yeah, I wish it, maybe they did that a little better or different. But pretty much that is uh, a good movie. Uh, again, the movie it is called, um, let's see if I have it up here. No, I don't. Um, so anyway, um, the movie is, it's in the Dinesh D'Souza movie. Again, if you watch any of his films, uh, you kind of know what to expect. Um, he has a lot of background and flushes it out, um, with stories and recreations and things like that. Um, so this is kind of typical for, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's work. And, I don't know, 2,000 Mules was, I thought, was a great movie, great uh, documentary. And so, and again, this is another one that you um, would want to watch. And the, the only other criticism I have, again, relating to the price, it's going to keep it um, off the screens of people who maybe aren't very already strong conservative or conservative libertarian leaning people. And that's the only problem. Someone who's just in the middle, um, he has a choice of watching this movie or renting something else or watching uh, something else like on Netflix or something like that. Um, it's kind of a hard ask with that price. Um, so I wish they could come down a little bit on that price. But other than that, it's worth watching. Definitely, if you buy it, try and watch it with a friend. You know, watch it with more than one person. Maybe have them give you a couple bucks to, to watch it. But, you know, you'll I think you'll feel better. And, of course, the more people watch it, the better. 
Um, but that's it. You know, they did just this the accessibility and wasn't in too many theaters. It was in theaters for like two days and that was it. Um, but it is virtual and you can buy it now if you are on Rumble because, you know, you're on Rumble watching me, this, the Dystopian Journal and or Liberty Relearn podcast. So while you're on Rumble watching me say these words, and I hope you are. Um, also, take the time while you're on Rumble to tune in and buy um, Police State by Dinesh D'Souza. So, again, um, it's worth it, particularly if you can watch it with a few other people. So, it's there now, and it's also going to be on DVD soon, so you can pre-order the DVD. I don't know how much it costs, but, again, look into it. So, again, I, I have to recommend it. And... And so I want to thank you and my special guest, Paul York, um, for attending and watching and listening to this special Halloween version of the Liberty Relearn podcast and the Dystopic Journal. And please follow LibertyRelearn.com online, Liberty Relearn on Facebook, and at LR Podcast on Getter. And also follow Liberty Relearn in the Dystopic Journal on Rumble. And so until then, I uh, hope we didn't scare you too much, particularly about talk about a possible second term of Biden. I know that's very scary. Um, and I hope you will check out um, Police State, the movie, uh, by Dinesh D'Souza. And until then... Stay healthy, happy, and free. You know, Yurik's eyes really light up when he knows he's going to be on this show. You can just you can just see it in in his eyes. Okay, so thank you and good night.